0: Welcome everyone to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today I'm joined by Petrus Kuplin, Chief People and Culture Officer in the Interim at Star Stable Entertainment. Tuomo Calvanein, Creative Producer at Small Giant Games. Emily Draminus, Head of People and Culture at Amplify Game Invest. And Aida Figurola, Senior Engagement Manager at New Games at King. And today we're here to try and answer the question of how do you actually create a healthy culture? Hi everyone. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. We'll get straight into it with some introductions. Petra, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Yes, hello. Hey, thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, I work at CPO at Star Stable since August last year, and I've been working as people, chief people officer and as in HR for the last 25 years. So actually quite some time. And I'm uh, working with Star Stable now to support them in organizational changes and uh, how we work the ways of working and also a culture shift, you know back from, from COVID and, and how do we work in the hybrid model. So today's uh, subject is really super exciting
2: for me. So thank you for inviting.
0: My pleasure. Aida, can you please introduce yourself?
2: Sure. So I'm Aida, joining in from King uh, in Barcelona. So I'm currently engagement manager at King uh, in the New Games uh, studio. And uh, I previously worked as a happiness manager in other gaming companies. And I just love people. And I think we are all very passionate and really um, um, privileged to be working in the entertainment and gaming industry. So yeah, very excited for this podcast and to hear about all these good stories about culture.
3: lovely. And Tuomo. Yeah. Hey, hello everyone. Very nice to join this nice conversation with all of you. I'm Tuomo joining in from Helsinki. And yeah, I work as a creative producer at Small Gen Games. I've been working as a creative um for let's say 15 16 years and out of around 10 years or so in the mobile gaming industry and i used to be a work as an artist designer role for the first part of my career but then nowadays shifted more towards this team lead producer type of roles but yeah call culture especially in the creative environments like gaming um companies is a something that i'm very passionate about so yeah we're really, really happy to join this conversation and hear about other people's experiences and opinions on the topic. Lovely. And Emily.
4: Yeah, so I'm Emily Ramirez, uh, Head of People and Culture at Amplifier Game Invest. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I also think this is one of the most important conversations and most interesting to talk about with other people to get some concrete examples of, of how everyone is working with it. Um, I've been working in HR for about 15 years and uh, in the gaming industry uh, remotely since 2016, by chance almost, but now I don't want to leave. It's, it's a great industry to work with people and um, everyone is really passionate. So that's what I that's what I like about the industry.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. All right, we'll get straight into it. So all of you have a question to ask the other guests on culture, like how do we actually improve it? What do we should we do? Best practices. So first up is Petra. Petra, the context behind it.
1: Yes, uh, Star Stable grew very fast during COVID, and uh, all of a sudden was not a small company anymore. Uh, and now when we're back, we have a new way of working in a hybrid model, and there is this feeling that we have lost something. What it was before, when everyone was in into the office all the time, the culture was so dense, and everyone knew exactly what it was but also there is so many new people that join the company while being fully remote. Uh, during the year, we're going to move to a smaller office because we don't need our big office anymore because we're working in hybrid model. So on my tasks and duties right now is to revamp the culture. We're going to work with the value-based uh, work and so on again. And uh, I of course do have an idea on what to do, uh, hopefully, but I'm so curious because I think we're we're not the only studio in that situation. So, What do you do? What do you practically do to continue to reinforce the values and behaviors of your organization? I would love to hear from the rest, what you do. Uh,
2: Aida, do you have any good examples from your work? Um, Sure. And so, uh, thanks. That's, I think it's a great question, actually. So I always believe that culture is uh, bidirectional. So it's always top down Mm -hmm. and bottom up. And I think it's really not about uh, what we do in any company. It's on how we do things, right? So for instance, when we all had to go uh, work fully remote, we had to really set expectations on how we, how many meetings did we set up uh, on a daily basis, right? And who should be in those meetings because otherwise you could end up being eight hours connected and just being really drained by this. So for instance, we were uh, discussing on how we should run inclusive meetings and how regular should we have in meetings, right? So we were not the people and draining everyone's energy. Maybe we can just simplify uh, and do for emails or maybe share certain information through um, clear communication channels and that stuff. So it's really on um, how you set expectations in all the team and also on how you empower each team manager and on the whole uh, team overall to decide what's best for them. I think we have to be very flexible. Um, but
4: for instance, Emily, how, how did you manage this? Yeah, we're also working uh, with this right now actually, um, we've also grown quite a lot, uh, we're both working internally in, in our own team but also with the the studios that we have so uh, we feel like we're, we're a small company but also a big one sometimes. Um, but I think it's really important to try to figure out where you are right now. What what are the values? What is the culture Um, and make sure that that's something either you want to reinforce or if you want to make any changes and be clear about what that is. And I, I believe putting things into words, writing it down, sharing, uh, trying different activities, asking what people uh, think of them, how they feel about it, involve people, because I don't think culture can or should be done behind closed doors. Um, some guidance, of course, um, but then really have a close connection to to the employees and see what have they signed up for and do they feel like it's something that they're happy in or, or would they like to change anything? Um, yeah. So handing over to Tuomo.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, one example comes to my mind from my previous company, where I was working when the pandemic happened and um, about the culture. Like I think eventually when we started to move in closer to the situation where we could return to the hybrid work model um, at the same time, we realized that we need to talk, identify the culture and the values better because we had a little bit of the same situation there. A lot of people joined during the pandemic. The, um, the, the amount of staff almost doubled during that time. So I think it was a little bit of a cold shower when we started to have those discussions, that it was very evident that the the image the, of the values and culture, the, a lot of the original team members, founders, and people who had been there long, it was very different from the what uh, the current situation was. So I think for we, people realized very quickly that the first thing that we need to do is listen you get people involved have actual discussions about the values so that any everyone can identify them because i think it started to be due because of the pandemic we were in the kind of situation that no one was kind of seeing the culture disappear because they didn't even anymore even identify what the culture was maybe they they, they had a strong culture people had strong culture in there within their teams but pandemic really did a sweep on the kind of the company, put a lot of challenge in the company culture as whole. But I think how personally and how, in my experience, how to kind of handle this issue currently, I think a lot of it comes down to, uh, well, training people, especially when they join into the company, like especially if they work remotely a lot, like have a steady, some sort of like efficient, but uh, thought out training system where you can make sure that they could accustom to the way of the culture of your way of working and like, listen, 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 like if there is a new joiner or someone who's been there even longer, like nowadays when people are all remote, they have a need to be heard and like get their voices out. So I think, yeah, training new joiners and making sure the people who have been there for a longer time get heard by, well, and there's of course a lot of different processes for that, but maybe we can get into more detail on those during this talk. But I think that was my input on that. Um Petra, do you, uh, what is your thinking behind this? But I think it was good that you gave some background with the question. I definitely got a nice picture of the situation, the company you have been working on is at the moment, but yeah. How did our experience sound to you?
1: Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're doing a lot of the right thing. And I think everyone is working with it constantly. Uh, you need to be, uh, because culture is so much alive in what you do on a daily basis. And we we'll well, Emily, before we spoke about psychological safety to create it, but today I had this most exciting meeting about our new office where we talked about how do you create a gaming uh, experience just by entering the office, you do not do not enter an office, you enter a culture, you enter a place where you feel safe and want to be home and when, yeah, we will have a hundred desks, but we will also have a lot of areas where you consider work and how do you make it like a 3D experience and blah, blah. It was hilarious to find. I just love that conversation because that I think is also about values and culture and the look and feel and, and how you collaborate. And we do have, we're doing value workshops. I don't know if you. You guys do, we have the value words like make magic, kindness is a superpower, but we're also going to talk and roll out now during the spring with every team. What behavior is behind being kind? Not uh, Honest feedback is actually kindness uh, mm-hmm. and making magic. Well, we don't make magic on Wednesdays between 10 and 12, then we deliver and make a code so that girls that play the game feel that it's magic. It's not magic for us. We are the crew behind the Joe Labiro show and so forth. So we also really, you know, very concrete talk about what is the value for newcomers, but also for our employees to constantly revamp it. So that is my take on it, good or bad, But It feels like you're thinking the same direction a lot when I listen to you. Well, Harry, what do you think when you listen to us talking?
0: What is your take? It's. it's, We will get into this later. I was just thinking around the whole hybrid situation. Like, I think... What we mentioned a little bit was just on the like, I'm using the word enforced, maybe I shouldn't, but like enforced mingling time, even if that's working time. Like if you have teams that aren't talking to other teams, but they kind of should, but just day to day they rarely do, but they're like very linked from like a holistic point of view. I think I've seen it work really well evolution. Like we have like a buddy system when someone joins where I'm talking to someone on a different team just to hear from how is it going on their side or like for example uh, I probably shouldn't say this but like when I had a chat with like my marketing team like we having that back and forth I didn't really have much face-to-face time before I was just sending some very long emails and it's like bro don't do that like I actually have to have that face-to-face meeting so I think if there's any way you can encourage that from a top point of view definitely recommend it like if you have ficas if you're in Sweden if you're in Finland try get a fika type situation where just even if it's remote uh, we we do that every friday there's a open invite to everyone on i guess on the nordics team You can join usually play a game chat and it's just such good fun because then you just have something to look forward to every friday where you just chat into others and it's not part of lunch so it's separate and uh, it's just i think that's one of the things i've seen work really well here something to look forward to and if that's in person even better yeah probably let's move on to the next question uh tuomo what is your question and the context behind it? Okay, yeah.
3: My question is that i one I want to hear personal experience because I think everyone has some sort of story or learnings from this topic like looking back at your own career, like what lesson would you have wanted to learn earlier to help with the work-life balance? And if you've learned it and you act now act by it yourself, do you actually pass it on? new junior team members and other other members of your company and maybe um emily can start this time around
4: yeah thank you um i think my biggest learning because i'm a bit of an overachiever and i like to do a lot of things and if it's a high tempo I, i quite enjoy that is to really take the opportunity if there is a bit of downtime to actually wind down a little bit and not keep that same high tempo all the time. I think when I was younger, I thought that I had to perform at 150% all the time. And, you know, you want to prove yourself and you feel like maybe you're a junior in the game and that's your opportunity. Um, So I think it's something maybe that comes with age, but uh, also feeling more stable in your, your career and your knowledge and knowing that I know for a fact that if it's a little bit calmer now, there will be more things to do next week. The, the tempo will get higher. So take the opportunity to, to wind down a little bit if the tempo is a bit lower because you need to recharge your batteries and find that balance. And something that I say to people quite often when I talk to people that suffer from stress or performance, um, just the pressure from themselves to perform at top levels all the time is to just consider how many years you're supposed to be working and what do you need to do to to make that work for you until you're 65 or 67 or, or where whatever the number is uh, where you are but it's a lot of years you're supposed to be working and function uh, as a happy healthy uh, person so i think that's important and um, so our system in amplifier is decentralized. So the studios that we work with, they have their own company culture. They have their own admin. and so some of them have their own h r um, representatives as well. So if I talk to them, that's something that I have passed on um to to maybe some of my more junior people when they've been stressed or or when I can tell that there is a little bit of downtime, then, you know, try to take advantage of that as well. You're doing a really good job and I can see that you're doing a good job, so you don't need to exert yourself all the time. I think that's it. Aida, do you want to go next? Sure.
2: So what you actually just uh, shared, I would say that uh, for me, like the most uh, like uh, revealing fact after three years of pandemic actually is to really understand uh, the importance of balance. Because I think all of us here are highly engaged generally in our uh, work, right? It's also part of our roles. It's, it's my job actually, right? I mean, I'm the engagement manager, so I'm highly engaged. And sometimes I realize I don't disconnect from work, right? Because I also connect with people in different levels, also like on a personal level, because I like to understand what's going on in their personal lives. So I can also support their if needed. And I realize that sometimes you need to disconnect properly and also have your personal life aside from work. You know, it's good to have friends at work, but it's also have, it's also good to have works that friends that are not work related, right? So there's one tool that, for instance, I use and I recommend to a lot of people that it's called the Wheel of Life, which basically um, works around eight pillars. So it's really important that sometimes we take the time to see, okay, what are the pillars that I have in my life? And then you basically analyze where you are in these pillars and you understand where you need to focus your energy. So overall you're balanced in all these important areas of your life. And one of them is clearly work, right? But there are seven other pillars that are very important so that you don't become like an extreme achiever in one of the pillars, but overall you're super imbalanced, right? So that's what I learned. And uh, I also try to share with my team and see if I can help other people. But um, Petra, what what are your thoughts on this uh, topic? Yes, and
1: uh, I think it's a really good question, actually. And I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. First of all, every time I say yes to something, I at the same time say no to something else because I don't only have this much time. And I'm a person that loves saying yes. So I normally say yes to stuff that would be okay for two persons. And I am not two persons. So I off, I need to revamp my calendar all the time and own it myself, you know really focus it. is this really a good thing, Petra? Can you really do this now? I try really to stop myself and also being a leader for others and leading leaders help them to see that every yes indicates that there must must be a no somewhere else and never forget it And the second thing I learned and I, I have to say I learned it hard I have had some amazing managers. In, and leaders during my career but I've also had some really bad ones and you sometimes you just don't get along with people everyone is not the perfect leader for you and if someone else put on to you what they expect of you what they think good looks like and it it's painful for yourself because what they put on you they like we want you to be like this to act like this to deliver this and it doesn't feel right and you cannot live up to standards someone else put on to you what good looks like Then I have learned to walk away because I decide what good looks like for me, to some extent. I need to own that. I can't let anyone else define if I'm a successful person or a good person or a nice person. I need to live my own values. And only when I truly live my own values and my values and standards are, to be honest, I think they're pretty high and I think I'm a good person. And I just think I should actually trust myself in being that and also trust that about others. So when I have performance development talks, be very calm and really listen what does good look like for you. So I don't put on them a label what I define as good. I have no idea what their ambition is or where they're heading for. Then rather support them in their journey, not in what I put on as what I think good looks like only. Do you, am I too flumina, as we say in Swedish, or do you understand what I mean? I, I see. You
0: 100%. Now. I'd second that. Yeah, now, I'd second that 100% and you're only doing the company and yourself a disservice when you say yes, 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 and then you have burnout, especially in gaming. I've seen it happen so much. Um, that's one of the biggest reasons, I think, that people actually start looking elsewhere. And sometimes it's actually self-driven. Like maybe they just don't know how to say no. And I think as leaders in gamers, and in leaders in a gaming studio, you need to... Be proactive in that and actually say no for them sometimes and be like maybe you shouldn't be doing all of this work even though i've told you to do it like something like hey bro kind of have that one-to-one and i think what petra said is really important like making sure they actually don't assume what their ambitions are what they want out of life are because what five other programmers on the same team may have the exact same um like life desire but the sixth person that's joined might have something completely different They literally might just want to do great things at work. They don't mind staying there for 10 years. They're not really looking to go elsewhere. And some other people might have the absolute flip side. They want to grow. They want to challenge themselves as much as possible. Push, push, push. And you need to identify that and then align that with the company's goals. And I think that is a case by case all the time.
1: I would love that more person decided for themselves what good looks like, you know, what is really good for me. I think that also creates the sense of of ownership and uh, also i own my own agenda my own calendar and i can say
0: no Hundred percent, and that could have easily been a situation where i've seen it happen they say yes because they think they have to and then you find out too late so don't assume always ask and i've heard this i'm sure you guys have heard it but if you don't have a principal position after senior and people appreciate title recognition so if someone's been at your company for 10 years and they have the same title as someone who's been there for two years and you want to give them recognition or like maybe someone dropping down from a lead for example maybe entertain a principal. doesn't have to be a massive page on but entertain it and give it some responsibilities who's like extra and that way you get the best of both worlds i think emily
4: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I was going to say something similar, but I think it's important for companies also to to clarify what that means, because I know a lot of people in the gaming industry who want to progress, but they don't necessarily want to lead people. That's not something that gives them energy and it, it can be daunting to some people. So I think it's important that that the leadership or management of a company also clarifies that um, and talk about it that you can do different tracks. You can do people management track, but you can also do like a technical specialist or just become a specialist within your field. And you can give titles for that and uh, promotions when it comes to salary. And you can give tasks such as if you do this set of lead people, maybe you can share your knowledge that could be pre recorded. Um, Webinars, or it could be lectures with people, or mentoring somebody. That could be different for different people, whatever they're comfortable with. But just sharing the knowledge instead of leading people. And um, but I think that has to come from the company to to say that this is equally valuable to us as leading people to get um, the best situation for everyone. And like you said, Petra, to find what's good for them, it's not it's not the same for everyone.
3: Yeah. Thank you for the. For your sharing your experiences and like I think all of you all the situations you describe and learning sound sound familiar and um, yeah before diving into my own answer to my question uh, one thing that came to my mind from Emily your your experience like talk, you talked about uh, working in very high high intensity environment and re- uh, training yourself to take time to for some, for some downtime and wind down like I remember one thing that I had to learn myself is that for many years working in very high intensity environments and, and projects and stuff and like and later on when things started to feel um easy and slower i felt like this shame like this like what what is this situation i should be doing more why i why am i not working in the sort of high intensity mode that i'm used to and i through i learned the lesson that actually it's not a shame that things start to feel easy because that tells you that you've grown as a professional and you know what you're doing. You're spending less time on these errors that you do when you're a junior, et cetera. But that is something that can happen, that you can actually feel some sort of shame about not working all the time in hundred percent capacity. Um, yeah, but to, yeah, get back to my original question and my own answer is that, um, maybe I'll share a little bit of background. Like I, as I said, I used to work in a creative role for many years. So I work in a lot of these high intensity projects that the duration of those varied a lot. Like sometimes it might've been just a few days, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes months and months. Uh, Mostly those were some sort of like video or animation related creatives, but I think the same applies to the sort of, um, live game, very update-focused environments that a lot of gaming companies are working in nowadays. Like, um, I think for the longest time, as uh, especially in this sort of like passion-based industry that where we are, a lot of new joiners come into these companies with a like very passionate goals about they want to release certain type of games or be part of, uh, get their name in a way to these very, products or creative outputs that they value very highly, Um, I learned the hard way that you shouldn't get the reward from the output. You should actually try to learn to love the process and get a feeling of pleasure in working in a healthy and in a way that you can maintain for the longest time. Like I think, especially in update or deadline oriented industry, where if you are only setting your sights towards the next week or whenever this new update or this new uh, marketing video is going out, like it, it blindsides you like, and it's always, it's the biggest lie that we tell to each other after next week, it's going to be easier. Like once I get this thing done, then it's going to be like, there's always, there's always something that comes along. So I've learned that I should put my, especially when I was uh, in my previous roles when I was working as a team lead. I decided that I'll start putting more focusing on the actual yeah the process the ways of working and for example, um, besides giving feedback to the team members on uh, how they how the output is looking, how the act you should uh, give them feedback on their ways of working and like for the process part and make sure that you are actually there uh, constantly enough giving that type of feedback so that they don't have to keep questioning themselves or only that they only set their sights to that end result. You should be be providing them uh, encouraging feedback on, yeah, their ways of working. Um, Yeah, I think that has made myself a lot happier and I feel that I'm focusing on the right things when I'm trying to make sure that the ways that I'm working and the environment that I'm creating at work is something that is sustainable and... It brings me more, I feel that I'm in more balance, and then when I feel like that, I feel that I'm more present to my team members, but also more present to my uh, family, friends, and other loved
0: ones. 100%. I think we've had one of those days where we had like four hours of meetings back to back, and you're like, I should not do that again, because if I had those separately, that would have been like, it's always like a great idea. It's not like good meeting, bad meeting, it's very much like, oh, that could have been a great meeting if I was more present. So I have one of those days tomorrow, but I have only myself to blame. And it's just one of those where you just got to prepare yourself for it. And no, I like that. Uh, lovely, good timing. Let's move on to the next question, which is from Emily. Emily, what is your question and the context behind it?
4: Yeah. So the context is, um, we are a remote team, some, uh, we have, um, an office in Stockholm, some people go there every day, Um, they do hybrid as well and the rest of us are just spread out um, in the world and trying to create this we feeling and um, the company culture, which I think has worked very well. Um, But I'm always really curious about what others do, uh, concrete examples, because I think um, other people always have really good ideas that I'm, I'm happy to steal if they're willing to give. So my question is uh, very practical. What are some tried and tested activities or processes you have found work well for building a company culture remotely? Uh, if we could start with Petra maybe? Yes. Thank you for the
1: question. I think it's super interesting and we're in the midst of working with it uh, also with the hybrid. We have employees in Australia, in US, in South America, uh, working remote as consultants. We have people all over the world since our game is present all over the world. And um, it's not always easy. Uh, You know, you want everyone to be included, uh, but What you really can do is have the standard meetings where you invite everyone and where you also listen to different persons. We have our Monday meetings that I know are very appreciated, where there are different voices every Monday. We would like as many as possible to share, to share knowledge and and so forth, to drive engagement, to keep everyone updated in, in what is happening. So that is one thing. And then we're also reinforcing the meeting structure and also the decision structure, you know. It, I think it's extremely important to not have hidden hierarchies, you know, the culture where some decisions are taken in the corridor by those present. But you need to know when decisions are made, who makes them and in what setting so that you can actually step into it. Um, that is one of the things that we are revamping now. i will be reading like a crazy, you know, we have a lot of processes coming out because I think you need to structure it. There is also, I don't know if you know it, when a company reached the level of 150 people, all science tells us this is when the small company structure doesn't work anymore, where you need to have much more processes in place and know what is right and what is expected because you are no longer a family. You are a company. And we are also in exactly that situation and mixing that with the hybrid is super exciting, but you need to be super clear where where are decisions made and how can I contribute and how can I influence. You need to know that, and it needs to be honest, transparent. And that is my best take on it. I think Not very sexy and hot. It's just structure. Sorry, that <laughs> doesn't
2: sound fun at all.
0: <laughs> it works. So,
2: um,
0: Aida, thoughts.
2: Thanks for sharing your point, Petra. I totally agree with you. So I'll focus more on the fun part. <laughs> so, um, I think it's very important to understand your people and to listen to what they want, right? So I, I love working with data, so I send engagement surveys regularly because I want to understand what do my people want, um, and then you start from there. So for instance, we organize lots of uh, virtual activities. Everything is optional because I think it's important to understand. Not everyone wants to have additional meetings just for fun, right? When you work remotely, I think we're all a bit fed up of being connected. So everything is optional. And then for instance, we play virtual games, we do uh, lunch roulettes or coffee roulettes, where we basically bear people randomly and it's just half an hour and you chat with this new team member or with someone very senior in the company or someone that works in another team in another project and you just get to meet this person. We also do this stuff at the office, but it's optional if you work from home. And then we do some hackathons. So a couple of days where you just work on whatever you want with the learning team members and you decide um, the topic you wanna work on and then you share um, everything with the the teams. And then we do some game jams, virtual master classes on, you know, you can do anything from mindfulness to yoga, to guitar, uh, learning how to play the guitar, like anything cultural exchange sessions, so we have people from all over the world, so we can do some speaking classes so I can learn Japanese or Chinese or French or whatever. And, and we also do, for instance, the holiday map where everyone shares where they're going on holidays and like uh, tips on the places that they should visit, or we should do some, Oh, we sometimes them to so, uh, trivia challenges so you can get to know other team members that are in other locations. Um, but to be honest, I think that at some point you need to do some face-to-face gatherings, even if it's once a year, I think it's really important that everyone has the opportunity to meet the people in person if they want, right? It's I think, again, we just have to provide the structure or the space so that they can come and meet other people in person if they want. That's um, my take. But uh, Tomo, what do you think?
3: Yeah, really, really appreciate all of your points of view and this, and I'm trying to think what I could still add, because I agree with pretty much all of you, it comes, boils down to a lot of these communication processes and what sort of activity, how you can activate people. Um But yeah, like I would still enhance the, uh, the worth of, especially on the onboarding phase of new joiners, if you're working a lot of remotely, like heavy have that really thought out and how you're gonna train and make them feel at home and like feel part of the team and feel part of the company but um i'd also already mentioned a lot of these different sort of fun activities you can have but i think one thing that we i have good experiences personally and like we're actually piloting this type of system now at the small gen games but we had like a similar sort of program happening in my previous company is that um, during remote working remotely, making sure people have enough um, ways to take care of their mental health is of course uh, very, very important and like, of course, this might differ to country to country, but a lot of the companies at least here in Finland, they in their um, health healthcare system they offer like psychological services and chance to talk with a professional, etc. And all of those are very nice to have in place but i think currently we're piloting a small gen this uh, separate program that is um you, we still have all of those um health benefits and that are normally included but we we are piloting like a separate service that is co- sort this sort of like a voluntary voluntarily like mental health coaching or like a low barrier therapy kind of help because i think first of all if you put effort and resources in that sort of service, it already t- tells a lot about your culture, that you value, value the well-being of your employees, you value especially their mental health, and it gives you, again, it's not enforcing anyone to use this service, but just let, letting them know that there is these type of services available if you happen to, be in, happen to end up in a situation in your life when you suddenly feel that I, I need that sort of help. It might be work-related issues. It might be something related to your personal life, but whatever the reason is that there is systems in place that uh, show that the company cares about your well-being. And like, for me, I think that's one of the kind of the most valuable things that the employer can do, like that all of these other perks are of course nice to have, like who doesn't like nice activities or work trips and like, or whatever, free coffee at the office, But still, like, for the employer to put value on your mental health and putting additional budget and effort in providing as many or different services around that, I think that's something that we've seen very good results out of. And I think it's, I don't know, like, it feels like a quite recent thing and recent trend that has come out of probably from the pandemic. (laughs) Definitely, like, before that, I don't remember any company offering... Those type of additional services besides the normal health benefits, but that's something that I feel that it's been lately like this one small breakthrough in this
0: in this area. Lovely. Back to Emily.
4: Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. I think that's really useful, and it it kind of mirrors um, my thoughts on it. And I think working as a generalist with HR, you have this uh, this perfect challenge of some things are very serious and some things are very fun and you're in charge of the serious and the fun not in charge solely but of course it's it's a big part of our jobs and um I think it is really important to have the processes and the surveys and the policies we've implemented a, a meeting policy that maybe some of uh, our team members maybe they think I'm a bit boring with with the processes and the policies but a time for meetings so they don't run over or take too much unnecessary time from people's day and how we talk to each other, um, listen to each other, don't interrupt and think of cultural differences. Um, And I I agree to the face-to-face meeting. We meet up the whole team as soon as we can in any different constellation, but absolutely twice per year in Stockholm, everyone. I think that's super important. And you can tell how the relationships change after these face-to-face meetings and how much easier some conversations are. Um, And especially if you have to do some difficult conversations uh, or implement things. Uh, that are more on the serious side. I I feel like that's easier once you know each other. Um, we're doing training for for all employees as well. And um, but yeah, it's a mix. We also do a, a biweekly bonding, which we haven't said it's mandatory, but we haven't said that it's optional. So so far, everybody's joining. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not leading that. Um, two coworkers are leading that, so they're they're really good at creating this type of engagement and, and having a good ideas. So we've had quizzes and uh, asking each other questions about something you're proud of this week or something that happened or what kind of game are you playing right now? And you can pick from a set of questions, and that's been really nice. It sounds like such a simple thing, but it's made a big difference um, the way I see it and in just this kind of easy communication and getting to know each other. And I think it takes dedicated time when you're remote. You have to make time for it and you have to make it a point on the agenda to to build those relationships and, and get to know each other when it happens more easily in the office.
0: No, 100%. One thing I would second is on the face-to-face. I've had it bit of a trend in the last couple of months where when a contractor starts starting a new studio and the expectation is going to be fully remote, if practical come in for the first week or two just for those two weeks sometimes they might never come back again or they come back for like a christmas party that happens that everyone's invited to we've i've seen that have massive success so if you have someone who's fully remote but they're sweden and finland then it's like a 200 pound return ticket invest in that it's just a, you just save so much time uh, just like what emily said like it just changes the game 100 percent. if you have the luxury of being able to offer that always offer if they don't want to take it at least you've made that offer and again if someone's not able to do all the time in the office I guess understanding why and if they if it's like a commute issue then just you know make an effort to have something maybe like a an after drinks or a dinner that most people will go to it doesn't have to be during work hours you can still build relationships still a benefit and it's still going to help. Like, at least from a top-down perspective, you're doing crazy things here. Like I know a few Stockholm studios do that, which is nice, uh, for people commuting in That's from where I'm sitting a couple of things, but yeah, we are at good timing unless anyone wants to add anything else going once. Cool. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, the next question is finally from Ada. Ada, what is your question and the context behind it?
2: Sure. So the context behind is that we have a hybrid model. Because I think it's a model that works best for everyone because basically they decide what works best for them, but a very complex model, right? Uh, Because I think if you are fully remote, everything happens online. If you are fully office-based, everything happens in the office. But in a hybrid model, sometimes I feel that fully remote team members might feel disconnected uh, around key decisions. So for, for Emily, right, because you're fully remote. Um, How do you include for the remote team members uh, in in key
4: decisions? How do you establish all of this? You want me to start? Yeah. Um, Well, I think what Petra said before is really important to clarify where decisions are made and, and when and really think about who should be included in specific meetings where decisions are to be made and for everyone to be prepared for those meetings. Um, And the transparency, I think it's really important that everybody knows what's happening. Uh, Meeting face to face, building relationships, making sure that you have specific agendas for specific meetings. And I can just um, uh, agree to Petra again that you make sure that these decisions aren't made behind closed doors or in the hallway where those that should be included aren't included. So I think that's that's very important. And sometimes I feel like that's easier when you're remote. If if more people are remotes, it's less likely that you have these sidebars. Um, but I think it's something you need to to say out loud as well. These are things that should be decided on in a specific forum with with uh, the relevant people. So uh, it's up to everyone also to say that. Look, I think this and this person should be included in this meeting as well. And and take that responsibility and that that's on everybody and i think everything we're talking about today i think it's really important to understand that you know everything that has to do with company culture and how we treat each other it's on everybody that management hr can can uh, come with the guidance and and how we want to work with it but i think everybody needs to um, be engaged and take that responsibility of how we do want to work with each other and make sure that everyone is included
0: Etch, do you want to take this?
4: Yeah, I can take it. And, and Emily, things like you are you and I are the HR nerds, so we
1: say the same <laughs> structure. but one thing we did this autumn uh, was that we we looked over the job titling and now this is not going to sound like a remote work thing, but we had 200 employees and 150 titles. It was actually quite difficult to understand who did what. <laughs> so not because we wanted to change t- titles and take away energy or prestige in any way, but we wanted to understand who do what. We did a revamp of all job descriptions and all the titling, and we put up all we have in high data system, but we also have actually the org chart now in a mural that is accessible for everyone and updated constantly. And it's actually pink and flourishing full of horses as we're a horse game. (laughs) It's really nice, but you can see who reports to who and who is in what team and who should I reach out to, and, and you understand the title. You understand what they do because we have actually spoken about it. So I think the more remote you are, the more hybrid, the more super structured you need to be. I think that it is helpful for everyone, also the ones in the office, but it's even more so when people are not there because then you can chat about it in the corridor. Uh, but one thing we have found uh, as a actually waste in the hybrid model are all the pre-booked one-to-ones. Most of them are also in meeting rooms where there is no one in, <laughs> but a lot of time is consumed by you know, nice one-to-ones, but there is no really decision made in them. They don't actually have a real agenda. It's not between managers, it's between colleagues because they need to find arenas to collaborate. Sometimes that grows extremely inefficient and everyone has a totally full calendar with back-to-backs meetings that don't have a super clear purpose more than that people actually need to meet and greet. So you also need to find your structure and arenas for the for the chatting, also with the ones being remote. And as a leader, the managers had a huge responsibility of finding that in a way that is not overwhelmingly time consuming in a bad way that eats, you know, time in one to ones. Um, and I do not have a solution. That is more of a, of comment and and the concern I would say. Uh, but yeah, structured structured roles, and descriptions and org shots and who do what and who do I talk to, all of that good stuff is really helpful, I think. And of course, inviting to meetings and parties. We do that too. Even if I haven't spoken about it, we do it a lot, actually. <laughs> Lovely. Uh,
0: should we take this to Tuomo? Yeah, sure. Um...
3: <clears throat> yeah, when thinking about the original question, like how to make sure that the, especially the remote team members avoid disconnection and key decisions and don't feel left out like it's the it's the eternal struggle that people want to feel that they are heard and they are involved but usually they don't want to participate in the meetings necessarily where these things are hashed out and like they especially working with creative teams a lot of them definitely want to avoid any additional meetings in their calendar so they can create focus on their creative tasks and um about finding a solution for that. I like, uh, well, currently I'm not working as anyone's manager, but in my previous positions where I was managing people, I can't sing enough praises on one-to-ones. Like I learned to use that tool through trial and error to use it to my benefit. And especially in Finland, I feel like general feeling towards one-to-ones isn't that hot (laughs) a lot of fans are introverts and they don't necessarily if they aren't accustomed to having regular one-to-ones with their managers like they might feel negative towards them or don't see the benefits out of them but for me I definitely feel it's the place where as a manager I, I was just able to focus on listening giving of course with some people you need to have certain Questions ready or somehow feed the communication more. But, like, usually people are more than happy to either just chit chat, as Petra said, there's it's important to find time for that as well. But whatever is in their hearts, like the questions they might have about these key decisions and like what is they want, they crave for context, they want to voice out their opinion on that. But usually, like, I found out that then when they've been able to voice their concerns, when you give them the context behind the decisions and like your reasoning and yeah, and they, after that, then they still feel heard. Like usually people, um t- then they approve those decisions. Like if they feel that they've heard and they you've given them enough context, context, like yeah, then quite often that is enough. It doesn't need to, you don't need to involve everyone in every single meeting and every, every decision-making meeting, but yeah, like for me, like the one-to-ones, especially in a remote environment, are one of the most important tools to use. Back to you, Good.
2: Thank you, Harry. I second that completely to my think One-to-ones are absolutely uh, paramount uh, to, to make sure that everyone feels uh, that they are on the same page, right? I usually try to think on remote people first and then people that go to the office because the the people that go to the office, I can see, right? I can see them if they're working extra hours, for instance, or if they might be struggling or whatever, I see it directly and I can fix that. But for people that work fully remote, I don't see it. So I just make sure that they have their regular catch-ups with me so they can share if they feel disconnected or they can share anything that might be happening to them. So yeah. Um, and Harry, I wanted to have your view on this. Um, what do you think? Sure. Uh,
0: I mean, in terms a key decision, this came up on a previous podcast once, where they actually had a Slack channel for key decisions, and this was about the game. So when they, like say, a game designer had a meeting, and the programmers aren't involved because the a game design decision, they're like, hey guys, this decision's happening going to be implemented in two weeks thread reply if you've got comments if this like affects you boom i said asynchronous fully remote solution if you haven't got that in your game that sounded amazing on my side like everyone on that podcast was like oh wow that sounded quite cool so if there's a big decision that's going to happen and it's going to affect a, quite a few people having an asynchronous way because i think what tuomo said like if people want to be included but don't contribute on the meetings because of the meeting structure their personality I mean, over text, if they didn't have that opportunity, if they have that and the meeting, then, sorry, no excuse, right? That's just one practical thing you can do. And I think on, yeah, fully remote, avoiding disconnection on key decisions. I guess, yeah, make sure those one-to-ones with the managers have clear agenda. Like Tuomo said, it's amazing. I've had one-to-ones at Evolution. They're always quite structured. And when I used to have one-to-ones in the past life, Yeah. Unstructured one-to-ones is just such a wasted potential. So if it's working really well for Tuomo, but there isn't a practical list, just a bullet point list for all the managers to go through, maybe make a list, you know, Um, I'm sure that's worth everyone's time. Uh, I saw Petra raised her hand earlier, so I'm going to pass it back to her. If she has something to say.
1: Yeah. Yes. I felt worried that I was negative to -to one-to-ones. I think the manager one-to-ones are super critical. It's just that you can flood it between colleagues and cross-functional all over. And there I would like to find a way to do it in the flow work when it's needed, you know, that you slack each other, you ping each other, you catch each other. You need to constantly talk. But I, I do worry about, you know, when you bury people in book, pre-booked meeting without clear agendas, especially the ones working remote because you want to be nice then it can be so time consuming that it doesn't help anymore. That was most the worry. So I didn't get it wrong.
0: One thing for that, that we've started doing. So every Friday Evolution is basically fully remote. There's 200 plus people in the office, pretty much like two people come in. Uh, We've done, if someone's even fully remote on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, but especially Fridays, if someone's just bored or just wants to chat, they will open a Slack huddle, which is again optional. And you can just work alongside someone else. Don't know how this would work in the gaming industry, but if you have a programmer, and they want to just vibe with another programmer while they program that doesn't sound like a bad idea so i guess mentioning that that's an option if you have slack or the equivalent just a huddle where you can just join in join out no meeting no expectation and i guess just from a management perspective i'm sure you can be on there a couple of times just to make sure it's not literally let's just chat about nothing for three hours and get nothing done like just use it with respect i think that's a nice way again optional can be done fully remote works really well because it feels like you're just doing uh like you know when you're gaming you're just joining leaving when you want to leave that kind of stuff uh, that's one thing that i found quite useful if no one has any questions top of their head if they do ada did you have a question no okay cool no worries uh so i have one question just in terms of obviously he's very curious just from work i do so when it comes to contractors how do you guys embed them into your cultures if you do use them um do you treat them any differently do you have any different ways of going about it um i'll start with petra because i No, she does have experience with it.
1: We have your consultants, so you worry about them. Do
0: I take care of them? Well, ah,
1: I can see your smile here. Yes, we treat them like any other employee because they are people and people first. I don't mind what kind of contract you say. And we're going towards a gig economy. I think more and more people would like to be remote freelancer working their own thing. And yeah, I think you need to treat everyone with the same kind of kindness and respect and friendliness and they're there to do a job. And we need to be just as good with them as we are with anyone else. To me, there is no difference. People is people.
0: Nice. No, I like that. And when that happens, it usually works out for the company as well because they just work better. Just nice. Anyone else had any other experience?
3: Uh, maybe I can pitch in on that. Like, um, I def- totally agree with Petra. Like, the, the communication shouldn't be any different and towards your other the staff or other employees in your company and like but yeah the challenge is is like i'm thinking more from my perspective i've worked with a lot of like outsourcing partners and studios contractors uh, ordering art assets or videos or a different sort of creative output and like um it's crucial to find right people the the key people who are acting in that, those roles, who are the main communicators towards those vendors. Like, because yeah, you need to maintain certain level of communicating, like just the activity, but the tone of it and like making sure that all of the situations are handled professionally and like giving creative feedback or any type of feedback, like remotely it can be really time consuming you need to be very precise in what the type of feedback you're giving and quite often the best artists for example in your team are definitely not the best feedback providers for contractors for example that's but you have to find the suitable personality for those roles who are the kind of the your main phase of your company towards the different contractors or vendors idea
2: yeah, I totally agree with Petra. Uh, we treat them the same way, right? <laughs> people with people. And also because sometimes they end up becoming employees, right? And it's a great opportunity for us as well, right? Because like, they already know the company, they already know the team. So onboarding it's way easier,
4: right, for them as well. So, yeah, totally agree.
0: And over to you, Emily.
4: Yeah, just a short comment. This is quite personal question to me because I was a freelancer for about six years so I've been on that side and I was only sending invoices because I lived abroad and um, but I was working full-time for several different companies at at different times and I know for a fact that my loyalty was never any different when I was uh, sending an invoice than if I was paid a monthly salary so uh, I think most people feel like that when they take on an assignment or they work full-time somewhere um, or even part-time, of course, um, I think it's down to the the person. So, yeah, I think it's very important not to treat people differently because they are not treating you differently as an employer.
0: 100%. And I think in your interview process, if you're a hiring manager and you're interviewing a consultant, I guess making that clear doesn't hurt. I mean, because I've spoken to a lot of contractors, some of them don't have favourable working conditions where it's just really isolated. So, just reassuring that that's not the case that's just my two cents like if you do it definitely shout it from the rooftops um guys this is time we'll leave you there this has been the evolution gaming podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank ada duomo emily and petra for providing their insights it was a fantastic listen for myself thank you everyone at home for listening if you would like to get involved in an upcoming podcast or just want to chat you can reach out to me at linkedin at harry foku foku spelled p-h-o-k-o-u